This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, our guest is Chris Barber, who is the CEO and founder of Cheaper Than a Geek. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thank you for having me, Gary. So, Chris, what is it about IT that gets you excited? What made you get into it? Oh, that's a good question. So, this is actually my second career. So, my first career was, um, I was an auto theft investigator. So, um, that was fun. That was exciting. I did some really uh, interesting things in, in that universe, but I could tell the way telematics were going that it was going to uh, eventually go away as a career path. So I was like, okay, I got to come up with something different. Geez, computers seem like they might be uh, a good thing to get into. You know, I'd, not that it wasn't obvious because it was obvious, but it was less obvious almost 25 years ago, you know? So, um, so I was like, all right, let me give this a shot. So I uh, I built a computer just to see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it blew up on me. I couldn't figure out what happened. It worked for like two weeks, but that's not long enough. So um, you would appreciate this. I bought the parts online over my dial-up modem. I mean, that's how long it was. <laughs> and um, so I took it to a, a computer repair store and had the world's worst customer service experience. So that was my aha moment. I was like, oh, wow, if I start an IT company, that treats people fairly, is nice, speaks English, not nerd. We would be very different than a lot of the folks that's out there in that industry. So uh, that was the impetus uh, a little a little over 23 years ago. And then, um, you know, since then, uh, you know, we, we build uh, or bait customer service into everything we do. And you fast forward uh, 23 years later, and we've probably won more awards for our customer service than all the other 1,637 IT companies in Maryland. So that's what we hang our hat on. And we, uh, kind of like you, we specialize in the small business universe. And for us, especially the smaller small businesses, uh, there's a little bit of a vacuum for quality IT support for, say, 10-person and less companies. So that's what uh, that's what we like to work with uh, the most. And, um, you know, we just essentially say we take the SH out of IT. Right, right. 
Now, you've gotten many awards besides just your company for, for customer service. You've gotten a lot of stuff in cybersecurity and things like that. What, I guess, what, what draws you to the cybersecurity side of things? That's a good question. Nobody, nobody ever asked me that either. Um, it's it, honestly, it's, uh, and, and I realized about 10 or 15 years ago that this was a thing for me. It takes my first career and marries it into my second career. And I love that. And I always thought, wow, you know, the first career was very exciting. It was clearly what I was supposed to be doing. The second career I got really good at and it pays the bills, but wouldn't it be cool if you could put those two things together? And that's essentially what cybersecurity's done for me. So I take my investigative background essentially and apply it in a nerd capacity. And, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, not to give away the secret sauce, but a lot of times, the whole KISS approach, keeping it simple, really is keeping it effective. And um, that's what we do. And it's been working out really well. What What are some of the biggest mistakes people are making when it comes to cybersecurity? Or I should say lack thereof. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of folks feel like if they're using cloud services, that they don't have to worry about it. So Maybe they have OneDrive with Microsoft or uh, Google File Stream with, uh, you know, Google G Suite. And they're like, ah, you know, I trust Microsoft. They're a big company. You know, they're they're fine. Um, and I trust Google. They're in California. How could they be bad? You know, that kind of thing. Right, right. And the fact of the matter is when you sign up for those services buried in the end user license agreement stuff, it essentially says that they're not responsible for your data. So... We, uh, we see instances all the time where folks lose data. Sometimes it's human error, but the, the, the file's gone, the file's gone. And, you know, in certain circumstances, there's nothing you can do about it. So even if you are with a large, reputable company for a service, um, you really need to have backups. And we recommend doing it outside of that organization to kind of hedge your bets a little bit. Right. We, uh, we support, oh, you would appreciate this. We support a bunch of CPA firms. So, mm -hmm. um, Years ago, uh, a company or a software product called ATX, mm -hmm. they were on the receiving end of a ransomware attack. And ATX, like a lot of uh, CPA programs, it, you know, ATX for the lay people here is essentially TurboTax for accountants. You know, that's how they do your taxes. So ATX is a huge company. If, you know, if you're, if you're a client of theirs, you're probably dropping like $20,000, $25,000 a year just for the privilege of using their software. Um, they know what they're doing. The software I hear is very good. But um, they had two ways that you could interact with them. They had like a local version. So you would have a server in your office and you tie into it. Or they had a cloud version where they basically they had the server and you were tying into it. Well, for all the folks that had the cloud version, they were done. They were down. It was late March, which in CPA world is a clutch time of the year. And they were down for two and a half weeks. Wow. Unbelievable. And even after that, they, um, I was talking with some of their tech support people. Even after that, they were still pretty screwed up because like the tech support notes, this one lady I was talking to, he's like, I've been here 15 years. I got 15 years of notes where if something weird happens. You know, this is how you fix it. Well, they're all gone. They're all lost in the ransomware attack, oh, which wow. is crazy. So even if you're with a good company, ATX is a good company. I'm not slamming them. You know, they're a good, they're a good outfit, but you need to have backups. You know, you just absolutely have to have backups. Now, fortunately for us, 
all, all of our clients that were using that service were still using their own servers. So they weren't nearly as affected. They, they had trouble transmitting certain types of tax returns, but that was the only extent of how it affected them. Right. But we were doing their backups too. So even if it wasn't the case, they would have been in a better place. So, you know, you heard about the hack in uh, the Baltimore city government. Right. They, you know, they, had, they got ransomware. They had to pay the ransom. If they had good backups, they wouldn't have to do that. You know, so that's the number one mistake, Gary. You know, you can also have a good offense, good defense and all of that. But if you have that backup, you're ultimately going to come out on the right side of things. Right. What when people are getting, uh, I'm going to say getting hacked, what is it that that people are hacking? Is it the email? Is it that they're busting through somebody's firewall? What, what is it that, that's happening that's causing this? Well, the landscape has changed a lot. So it used to be more of a firewall or a computer compromise of some sort. And that still happens today. You definitely want to be careful with uh, having good security there. But the number one uh, attack vector right now is email. So you get, a, uh, you get an email. It's super convincing. You click on the link. Um, sometimes it's as simple as it's masquerading as your, uh, your email service provider. So it might say like, Hey, we need to update your security. You need to log in. So you log in really what you've done is given the bad guys, your email username and password, you know, and then they compromise you that way, but it could even be as simple. And this is where it gets scary as visiting a website. You know, you click a link, you go to, Oh, my Amazon package is delayed. Why is that? You click on it. And there's some sort of a web page that says, oh, we're sorry, never mind, your package is fine, don't worry about it. But by visiting the website, your computer just got compromised. So they can get really, really sophisticated. So um, email is the most important part. So what we recommend for our clients, in fact, I just did this 10 minutes ago, is um, essentially what we're talking about is the weakest link potentially being people, you know, people right. for fun things. And it used to be these bruises were kind of obvious. Hi, I'm a prince from Nigeria. Can you help me with my inheritance? You know, like right, most people right. aren't for that. But like this, uh, the one where you log in with your email, there's a way, if you know what you're doing, there's a way to see, oh, Gary's company uses uh, Microsoft Office 365 and Chris's company uses Google G Suite. So they'll send you a targeted thing that says it's, you know, it's Office 365, logos, the whole nine yards. Right. Um, so it's more, way more convincing, you know, and uh, I've seen a few phishing emails uh, myself where I'm like, ooh, is this real or not? You know, so one of the things you can do, and you probably know this, is you can like hover over the links without clicking them just to see where they really go uh, or hover over the sender's email to see who really sent it. But, um, you know, the other day, I'll tell you what, the other day, uh, about two months ago, actually, I got a phishing email, supposedly from our uh, website hosting company. And it was our website hosting company. Probably nobody has ever heard of this company. So immediately, I, I you know, there's a presumption that this is accurate and true. And it says, hey, you've got a user that's sending, um, you know, a bad amount of email. We're going to have to suspend the account. You know, this is on a Saturday. They know what they're doing. So immediately, I'm like, oh, my goodness, we can't have one of our clients not be able to send email over the weekend, you know, that's bad. Right. So I look into it, I look into it and I'm trying to do all this from my phone because I'm, I'm with my kids in Alexandria and I'm, I'm like, man, 
let me Google the phone number. So I Googled the phone number and that's when I realized it was a scam. So it's, you know, I didn't fall for it, but I had to do a little extra digging because it was super convincing. You know, the language was right. It was a company nobody's ever heard of, but it was my company, you know, so um, they're getting more and more targeted, which is super scary. So what we do with our clients is we, we try to uh, put filters in place to prevent that email from even getting through in the first place. But then we marry that up with um, education. So we'll do simulated phishing attacks mm-hmm. where we'll send an organization these kind of emails. And then there's reporting that says, oh, Cindy and accounting clicked it. So we sent her these training videos to watch about what she missed and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's funny, Gary, we always let the client decide if they tell the employees they're doing this or not. But I always recommend that we t- you tell them because it's almost like having a fake uh, closed circuit camera trained on the cash yeah, register. Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody starts behaving themselves and there's not cash issues. So it's just by virtue of having it, people are like, oh, should I click on that or not? You know, you can be one mouse click away from destroying the company's IT. Right. I mean, I agree with you 100 percent. And I think that that's something that, that people really need to look at, even with your personal email, um, because people always think, oh, they're just going after businesses because they get the bigger bang for their buck. But it's like, that's fine in dandy, but it happens to you once personally and you're miserable as hell because of everything you got to go through to to get fixed from, you know, uh, locking down your your credit file and credit cards and everything else. Um, I think that in going through, because I know with my staff, I do the same thing. And I tell them, it's like, hey, look, you're going to be getting these. So you better not click on them, uh, you know, type thing. But to me, it makes them aware that they're going to be getting it. And it's like, ah, they're not going to catch me on this one. Um, so they don't click on it. So it's always that that link and earlier today, you know, Tracy came in and was like, hey, look, I got an email from you in my personal email, but it doesn't, you know, the the content doesn't seem like something you would send me. And then I showed her exactly, you know, look at, look at the email address, you know, physically look at it. You can see it's not me, you know, type thing. So I think that what I try to tell my staff all the time is if you get an email and the content doesn't seem right for who you're getting it from, you really need to be careful. And then we do stuff where we have portals that everybody uploads documents to. So they shouldn't have to ever open a link or anything like that uh, coming through emails. That the other thing that we try to, to do to, to totally eliminate that. But again even like you said i mean you know the weakest link is always you know people mm-hmm. and and i you know i'm always concerned about um you know somebody accidentally clicking on something i mean no matter how careful you are you can still be susceptible yeah yeah that's the scary part and the ruses get better and better and more convincing and more convincing you know it's really terrifying <laughs> So, so one of the takeaways I'm getting from you is, hey, whoever your your email provider or your IT solution company is, have them do this, you know, phishing emails just to check your people and then make sure that they have some type of a training program that they can send stuff to your employees to make sure that that they're making sure that that everything is invulnerable. Exactly. You're 100% right. So when it comes to 
you know, firewalls and things like that. You know, most companies have, you know, Wi-Fi besides the the hardwire. They have Wi-Fi in their office. How, you know, you know, our policy is in here, we don't give anybody our Wi-Fi besides the employees. But how how can we protect that more? Or is there a way uh, to make sure, because I'm sure there's companies out there that are just sitting there beating on your firewall and you're not going to know it, or at least I'm not going to know it unless somebody tells me. Exactly, exactly. So if 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 you or, or whatever company has the budget, like in a perfect world, you'd get a firewall from a company like ours where we can see these kind of attacks and tell you what's going on and move you over. And, you know, sometimes it's uh, it's funny sometimes if you're aware of the attack which you have to have equipment like ours but if you're aware of the attacks taking place just changing the ip address of the network sometimes fixes the problem so the fix isn't always expensive or complicated you just need to know that you need a fix because you're being attacked um but the other thing to consider is network security is very important but more important is the security on the individual computer um a lot of times that's where the compromise takes place so, um, you know, a lot of attacks, they'll, they'll disable your security without you realizing it, and then it's kind of undetectable. So ideally, you have something from an IT company where they can see these kind of uh, interactions and stop them. Right. Um, and there's stuff out there now uh, we're using where it can even um, use artificial intelligence. So it'll, it'll, every time an action takes place on your computer, it will ask essentially itself, it's like, does it make sense that this program is trying to do this? over here does that make sense because a lot of times most people don't realize this but the way virus protection works is a little antiquated it basically you know computer can't tell the difference between say a virus and a microsoft word document it's just a thing that that gets executed so the way antivirus software works is once um security researchers identify oh this thing over here is a virus here's what its VIN number is you know now every time you see that VIN number you need to stop it when you do security that way then you're inevitably there's a period of time where that thing is running amok and nobody knows about it which is terrifying so you you know ideally you would have something like uh this artificial intelligence thing I'm talking about where like it can kind of intercept these what we call zero day exploits like things we don't even know exist yet um and then another way you can do things but a lot of folks push back because it it can cause a lot of problems is you can uh essentially operate in a zero trust environment Mm -hmm. so that basically means everything that runs on your computer had to be approved right so in some instances it's not a big deal you know your front desk person does these seven things we whitelist those seven things. And if she tries to do thing number eight, it won't happen, you know? Right. But, um, you know, we're all here to work and get a job done. Some people find that, you know, if you have to add an eighth one, it takes, a, you know, it might take 10 no, minutes. But that's, I think that's a really great idea. I mean, because, you know, I, again, I, I don't know what my employees are adding on to their computers and stuff like that. And it may be something that I don't want on the computer uh, for many different reasons. Um, but if you know we don't have somebody like you who's telling us, hey, your employee added something or having this whitelist that won't allow them to add it, um, it's, uh, it makes it a little bit more difficult for, for things to, 
to be compromised. Very true. Yeah, it's effective. Zero trust is effective. It's just, it's kind of like, like we recommend multi-factor authentication. Yep. Everything that supports it because it just makes it so much harder. Doesn't make you hacker proof. It just makes you a lot more hacker resistant. Right. And, um, you know, you just gotta, uh, you gotta have that kind of stuff in place um, or, or they're going to get you. You know what I mean? It's just that simple. Um, that zero day stuff is one of a million ways that helps make you so much safer. Right. Now, how often are you giving your clients these reports or, or your meeting with the clients or, or whatever? How often do you do that? Uh, typically monthly. Uh, we have a handful of clients that like weekly, but it's been my experience. Most clients are like, why are you sending me something every week? Is everything okay? Okay, thanks. Right. You know, and honestly, uh, the way our the way our reporting works is I can't see the open rate like you can in like a constant contact thing. We just send it out and hope they read it. I bet half of them aren't even reading it. Right. But uh, but that's fine. I mean, you know, it, we're doing our thing. It's just a way for them to see what we've been up to. Um, you know, it's funny. We got most of our clients. Um, we just uh, charge automatically, you know, the first of every month. But we have a few clients that uh, prefer to pay annually. Right. And um, I don't know why they do it, to be honest with you, because I wouldn't pay for anything annually if I could help it. But right. um, the uh, uh, it's funny. I can't. It's four or five times now I've called an annual customer and I'm like, hey, Jason, it's Chris from Cheaper Than a Geek. Believe it or not, it's renewal time. We hope you'll sign up for another year. You know, here's what the rate is. And they'll go, oh, I don't know, Chris. Nothing's really happened in the last, oh, nothing's really happened in the last year. Yeah, we're signing back up. <laughs> right, right, exactly. For us is nothing happened. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I think it's, I think it's one of those things that, that, you know, if our IT person is not telling us that something's going on, then all is good. But I guess that the reality is, is that that shouldn't be um, acceptable to you. You should be ex ex expecting to have some type of a report or phone call or something on a regular basis to just kind of say, hey, you know, you <laughs> your equipment's getting outdated or this person is spending a whole lot of time on social media or, or whatever. Um, because I guess social media is another way that, that, you know, your, your system would be compromised. Um, you know, I guess at a bare minimum, how often should, you know, somebody be hearing from their IT person? We, it's kind of a little subjective to be fair, but, um, I think, I think the talking heads of my industry that say uh, QBRs are a good idea. We call them quarterly business reviews. So once a quarter, you sit down with the client and say, "Hey, you know, uh, here's what we've been up to. Here's what we're seeing. Is anybody going down to accounting because the accounting department is going haywire with Facebook? You know what I mean? Right. That kind of stuff. And then this is my favorite part." What do you guys got coming up? You know, what are you working on? Blah, blah, blah. Because I can't tell you many times who client will call in like, hey, uh, we need you to help us with our firewall. The new phone people are here and we're having all kinds of trouble. And we were like the new phone people. Right, right. People, <laughs> you know, so um, we're like the last thing people think of. You know, I, I would say probably 
70% of the time when we're adding a new email account for an employee, they're already there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They hired them two weeks ago, but it wasn't until John came in and reported for duty, like, oh, he's going to need an email address. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or even better, he needs a computer. Right, right, right. That's even better because you can't just make that happen, especially right. with supply chains. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that that's um, uh, you know one of those things that that I know I put in my practice that when we make the job offer to someone and we get that accepted letter, you know, our next step is okay. We need to let IT know. You know, is do we need a computer? But also, you know, got to set up, you know, the Slack account, the, you know, the, uh, you know, the email, the, the, you know, all the softwares that we use that they got to have all that stuff. Um, because it, it's not a, it, I mean, it's not a five minute process. It, it takes a while. And I'm sure for you guys to be able to get the computer and then get it set up to get all the updates on it and do all that stuff sometimes could take a considerable amount of time. Yeah, if you if you do it right, you know, and in most situations, not all, but most situations, you're always way better off going with like business grade computer equipment, desktop, uh, laptop, right. whatever. They last longer, they run better, they're more secure, you know, and if you got to stop what you're doing and run over to Office Depot real quick to buy the consumer grade stuff. Yeah, you might have saved yourself 200 bucks, but you're going to have three years of headaches with that machine. You're going to spend way more than that with your IT provider getting things right. Yeah. So it's always good to be proactive. We Our own internal um, hiring uh, checklist, you know, breaks everything down to what we do before they get here and then what we do when they do, because some of it you have to do in person. Yeah, because um, yeah, you just, I mean, why reinvent the wheel, man? <laughs> I, I'm with you 100%. All right. We've gone through a lot of stuff. We could talk for probably another hour easily on this stuff. What have I not asked you that you wish I had? Actually, yes, some really good questions, Gary. You didn't ask what I thought about Dan Snyder, but maybe that should be a separate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's a different that's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, if if people like what they hear, um, and and you know, even if they just want to get a checkup or or anything like that, how can they reach out to you? How can they get a hold of you or your company? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, my uh, email address is uh, Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at cheaperthanageek.com. Um, our phone number is 410-774-5180. And if somebody wants to reach me specifically, uh, my extension is 800. And depending on what the small business needs, a lot of times there's a uh, free assessment we can do to try to figure that out for them. So um, a lot of times, you know, the the, uh, the prospective client knows they need something, but they don't know what they need. So, you know, we'll talk to them, kind of get a handle on what they're doing and then how to best protect them. Every business is a little different. So we don't, a lot of IT companies have this like set of offerings and you either get into that bucket or you don't. Right. But our whole thing is customer service. So you got to kind of tailor each thing to what the people really need and you know, that approach oftentimes doesn't make us as much money as our competitors, but our uh, retention is very, very good, you know, so that's that's kind of what we hang our hat on. Great, great. Well, I really appreciate your time today. I know the listeners got a lot out of this. Um, 
you know, it, everybody, it's like, you know, cybersecurity is, is important. You know, every day, more and more people are, are being hacked and things are being compromised. So we, we got to do a better job of projecting things. Absolutely. Totally agree. Appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Great. So this week, our guest was Christopher Barber with Cheaper Than a Geek. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next week. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.